Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Welcome back to the Making Headway Podcast. I'm Mariah. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to continue our series for Stroke Month, talking to a stroke survivor today. Her name is Joanne Susie. I had the fortunate experience of meeting her through a brain injury support group with the Brain Injury Association of Massachusetts. And um, she has, you know, not only a stroke survivor, but she's really been able to identify with how her intuition and her inner sense of trust and knowing has really led her through her journey and then even influenced her career going forward as a life coach. So we thought she'd be perfect to talk to you guys about not only her stroke story, but the things that she's learned throughout the way. So welcome, Joanne. Welcome. Thank you, Erin and Mariah. I'm very honored to be here with both of you. Thank you for joining us. So um, we kind of jump right in here. So I know I understand a little bit of your story of how you came to experience the stroke and how your intuition kind of led you into that. But how about you explain that for us? Sure. I, this all happened back in March of 2008. I had been feeling well and um, I had a routine. Uh, on Saturdays, I used to go to Whole Foods uh, for my grocery shopping or a whole paycheck as a lot of people like to call it. Um, so <laughs> right I had so. been, <laughs> I had been feeling well. And so Saturday morning I got up, did my normal routine and I, um, I was nervous about driving because I had had some weak episodes during the week feeling like maybe I would pass out and logic was dictating to me. I shouldn't drive. And so I was sitting on the couch after I had showered and had my breakfast and thinking, I probably shouldn't drive. What if what if I passed out while I was driving? And all of a sudden, the little voice in my head said, just get up off the couch, put your jacket on, go to Whole Foods like you do every Saturday. And I just immediately listened to that little voice. And I'm so glad I did. I got in my car, I prayed the whole ride to Whole Foods and was very grateful when I pulled safe and sound into the parking lot. Was so happy and overjoyed to be there. Went into the store and did my usual shopping and was as happy as a lock. I was feeling great. I was feeling energized with joy, which joy will do. Joy will energize us, won't it? And mm. I was doing all of my shopping and when I got to the bakery aisle, I um, saw my favorite muffin in the case and I was reaching in for the my favorite muffin which is a morning glory muffin and all of a sudden I went blind and I it was very scary I thought oh my gosh I I wear contact lenses and so I thought I just kept blinking and blinking trying to moisten my eyes thinking my eyes would dry from my contact lenses and once again that little voice said just get up to the, forget about the muffin get up to the cash register so again, I listened, I went up to the cash register and I was very weak. My legs were shaking. My phone was ringing. I was trying to reach into my purse to get my phone and I wasn't able to. And the bagger came up, the bagger that was at the cashier stand came up and put her arms around my waist and said to me, I'm not going to let you fall. And, and she got the chair and she put me down in a chair and they called an ambulance. So the ambulance came, they put me in the ambulance and took me off to the closest hospital, which was in Milford, Massachusetts. And the whole right there, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get there. They're going to just tell me I'm okay and send me back. I have a cart full of groceries that's going to go bad. I've got to get my groceries and get them home. Mm -hmm. So I got to the hospital and they told me I had had a stroke and they recommended a shot of TPA, which is a clot-busting drug, which if you can get within the first three hours of a stroke is very helpful. So I did get, I, yes, I wanted the shot. So they gave me the shot. Within 15 minutes, I could feel I had the use of my left arm again. I had lost the use of my left arm, but that came back after 15 minutes of the shot. Wow. And then they airlifted me to Mass General. The doctor told me that uh, they would be able to they were more equipped to take care of me. 
So I was at Mass General, and within two or three days, my daughter came home from New Hampshire to, to be with me. She came in the hospital every single day. And this one day, she came in, and she went to the nurses. There's something wrong with my mother. Something's not right. And they said, oh, she's fine. She just had fish last night. She's just uh, a little bit tired. And my daughter's intuition was saying, no, there's something wrong with my mother. And they're saying, no, she's fine. So my daughter came back, and she was with me. She was holding my hand, and then I just went out. I lost. I went into cardiac arrest. So the, she called the doctors, and they had to defibrillate me. They had to bring me back. So I definitely had a near-death experience, uh, although I don't have a conscious recollection wow. of it. But I... I have I have a knowingness of what happened. So again, intuition of my daughter was was critical. She knew something was wrong, yeah. and um, and this is something that I I'm I'm passionate to talk to people about. Our intuition is 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 really where the wisdom is. It's not in the head. So the doctors found out that I had a serious hemorrhagic stroke which required brain surgery. So I had eight hours of brain surgery. And at the end of the surgery, they went to my, my two older children were at the hospital, and they told them that I survived the surgery, but they didn't think I'd ever walk again. And my daughter said to the doctors, oh, you don't know my mother. So when my daughter told me that story, I said, did you really say, oh, mom, I know you. When you get something in your head, that's it. Nothing stops you. And... That belief in me and my determination is what really keeps me moving forward, for sure. That's been a common theme that we've heard. Not only do people have the intuition and the wisdom and the knowing of what's going on inside of themselves, but that 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 determination of nothing's going to keep me down, I'm going to keep pushing through. Um, exactly. Yeah. Don't so ever important. tell me that being stubborn is a weakness. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's what those brain injury people Exactly, need. Mariah. <laughs> it's so true, and what we don't realize, we'll say. It, it really is. And, and what I love to share with people is one of the things that I focus on is what I can do, not what I can't do. You know, so I can mm-hmm. walk, but I, I don't walk the way I used to. So I, I, it's easy for me to say, oh, I can't walk, but I can walk. It's just that it's not the way I used to walk. And I think this is a, a situation with most brain injured people. They remember, we remember how we were prior to brain injury. And so when we look at ourselves, how we are today, we're not the way we were prior to brain injury. When in fact, I think we're even better because we've learned more about ourselves. So if we could just look at the fact that we can, we can do things, just do, we just do it differently. Yeah, we've heard a lot from people lately that they're struggling with measuring themselves against the person they were before their brain injury, which I can completely relate to being a little bit of an overachiever, but it's also a really unfair thing to do for yourself. And so we've heard a lot of folks who have been asking the question, well, you know, do I have to let go of my goals? Do I have to change, you know, what I expect of myself. And I feel like it's a, there's a lot of gray area there. There's a lot of yes and no, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, I don't, I don't think we need to let go of our goals. I think what happens is we, when we think about our goals, we think we want them as humans. We want it now. You know, I, I want to walk without a cane. I want to walk without an AFO. I want to be able to use my left hand. I used to write with my left hand. So that's been frustrating for me. So what happens is, because I'm a student and teacher of Law of Attraction, I base everything on the Law of Attraction, which is a force in the world like gravity. So what happens, we set a goal, and there's like two sides to every story. So the goal is the desired outcome, and the other part that is there prevalent for us is what's happening to us now, which we don't have. So we're vibrating in two places almost, and the universe reads where we're vibrating and delivers that. So when you have a goal and you're thinking about the fact that it's not here, or you think, how can I possibly do it? You're, so, you're not vibrating in a frequency to allow it to come to you. Does that make any sense at hmm. all? Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is you kind of get what your mind's set for. So if you're 
if you're thinking about all that you don't have, you're kind of hanging on to those limitations and kind of living in that area. Whereas if you start thinking about what you could achieve or what you could get, then you're more likely to work towards that. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. You know, basically, you know, again, I feel that we're all, we're, we're about energy and this frequency is like a radio station. Our radio has this, this frequency waves in the universe. And so on a radio has all different stations. And so this, if you want to listen to country Western music, there's a station for that. And if you want to listen to pop rock, there's a station for that. So if you put on a country Western station and you really want, you want pop, you don't get angry that your a country with sensation, you know, is isn't giving you the the pop. You have to turn the station. You have to go to the station that has the pop rock, uh, and and so a problem is one frequency, and the solution is another frequency. So when we're tapped in, we're tuned into the problem. We're not we're not going to get the solution. So we're tuned into the wrong mm-hmm. station. We're not going to hear what we want to hear and get what we want to get. But if we focus on the solution, does it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think that there's certainly something to be said for being focused on the positivity or optimism rather than sitting in negativity. And a a while back, we had an interview with Susan Gorman, who's an intuitive. And I know you're big on intuition, but she had something to say about, you know, fear getting in the way of intuition and anxiety getting in the way of intuition. And I think some of that fear, anxiety is a result of sitting with your negativity or sitting in, you know, a certain state of mind. But if you focus on solutions and the positive side of things, that sometimes that can allow intuition to speak more loudly. I am so glad you brought that up. May I address that? intuition and fear absolutely Um, so this is this is what i know about intuition intuition has no logic intuition just is you think about it you have a gut reaction you have a feeling there's no logic to it whatsoever for example when i was sitting prior to the day i had the stroke prior to going to the store i wanted to go to the store but i was sitting and logically thinking you know logic dictated there was a possibility of of me passing out and getting in an accident. So that was logic. That was a maybe. This wasn't a definite. But that's logic. So intuition just sort of shoots out of, of us and with no logic whatsoever. So it's like our mind can't make sense of it. So the mind will say, I'll show you where you're wrong. And the mind comes out and it just applies all kinds of logic and it mashes out our intuition. And that's why I was able to get in my car because I chose to not listen to the logic. I just, so what we need to do, because we live in a logically practical oriented society, we need to learn how to balance it all, don't we? I mean, logic is not bad, yeah, but it can hold us back from doing what we really want to do. And so fear comes into place. So there's fear and there's caution. Fear is, is paralyzing. So fear will keep you from doing something. Caution will keep you safe. At least that's my interpretation of it all. So I choose to be cautious. If I'm afraid to do something, I know that I'm not going to do it the way I want to. So I I won't do it. I will stop. And I'll wait. It's like calm myself down and wait till I get an inspired action step. That makes sense. It's Fear a totally, is such an interesting totally thing. Different... And I... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Joanne. No, 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 that's okay. I was just, I just wanted to say fear is paralyzing. And Mariah, wanted to, Mariah, you were just saying fear is an interesting thing? Yeah, fear is an interesting thing. And I think anybody with a brain injury lives with a different version of fear than they did before. And I think, you know, depending on the type of brain injury you have, that dictates a lot of the fear that you live with. You know, like I, I cross the street at the crosswalk where I was hit by a car almost every day. And it takes a big, you know, heave ho, deep breath sometimes for me to get myself into that crosswalk. 
But there are also other things. Um, I was telling Aaron earlier, my son is four and a half and he fell out of a chair yesterday and hit his head. And I had my maternal instinct kick in. And then I had this next level of fear because I immediately thought, what is happening to my child's head right now? And he's fine. Right. <laughs> but that was, it was like <laughs> motherly instinct. And then what's going on with his brain? <laughs> um, of course. And I, I think we've all of sort of course. learned to live with a, a new level of it, depending on yes. know, what our injury was. I mean, I, I know, Aaron, you, I think, had some similar feelings too. Yeah, just the, you know, when you when you say fear, I mean, there's fear in so many different things now having had a brain injury. Sure. The most recent has been that fear of my brain not being as sharp, not being as cognitively sure. intact as I felt like it used to be. So when you're presented with something, especially in healthcare, like you need to have that answer and you need to be able to know right. what to do. And I sometimes get a little bit stuck because my brain feels a little slower or I'm not quite there. And then you get scared, like, well, maybe I'm not going to, you know, find the right answer or maybe I'm not going to get you the right thing. But like Joanne was saying, if you can just take that deep breath, recenter yourself, you know, I'm not the one that's in the emergent situations anymore. I have that opportunity to take a deep breath then you can find it again. You just have to be able to slow your thinking back down and get to what's important again inside of you. But you're so right. A good point. And I think my therapist has said actually a couple times when I've talked to her about my anxiety, that's not you thinking. That's, you know, your brain turning something on that's not you. And so it's actually been helpful for me to be able to separate anxiety and fear as not me. <laughs> Something else going on that's in that wonderful. skull. So. And it takes some of the guilt that's off. Wonderful. Yeah. Because I mm-hmm. feel guilty or insufficient because my brain starts thinking that way. Like maybe it's a personal flaw in me. No, it's some chemical response or something going on inside of you that you have a choice to move beyond. And that, that's been a huge distinction because I fall into it all the time of this is who I am now and, you know, but it's just learning how to problem solve and listen to really what's true inside of you. And that to me was what was so inspirational about Joanne's story. You know, had you not decided to go to Whole Foods, you would have been home yes. alone, right? right? That's my understanding. Exactly. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I wouldn't have yeah. done anything. I know and that. Then, I know you know, me. I'm, I was, oh, I'm okay. Yeah. It sounds like you were already pretty well-versed in intuition. How did that yes. help you throughout the rest of your recovery? The, my, my faith in, in connection with divine, and I, I believe our intuition is our connection to the collective consciousness, is what helps me on a daily basis. I just trust that everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be. And I also wanted to say something about fear. We all have fear, whether you've had brain injury or not, you have a fear. We're all human. It's a human condition. Fear is is an emotion that we all experience. And I think if we can learn to just accept that it is and understand the purpose of it. Um, for example, I'll give you an example. When And I wrote about it in my book. When I, I, I bought a car and um, I... For the first time I was going to go out by myself, I was really scared stiff. And I was so scared, I thought, I can't drive. I started to cry. I was so scared. And I knew, you know, keeping myself safe is my priority. And I knew if I got in the car fear-based and crying, I was not going to be safe. So I sat down and I did some deep breathing and I thought, what do I need to do to get over this fear? Well, first was the awareness that I was feeling it, allowed myself to feel it, and I understood it. And then I, as I was breathing, I heard again, my intuition, my voice was saying, go journal about this and as a way of releasing it. So, and then it went even further, said, write, in, write a chapter in your book about this because it's going to be able to help more people. So I did. I sat down. I didn't question. I just immediately wrote a journal uh, what I was exactly what I was experiencing, and I noticed the fear totally subsided, 
and I could breathe easier. I wasn't crying. I felt, I said, okay, now I can go in my car. And now I got excited to be able to get in my car. And I wanted to go and have my nails done. So I was, I was driving to Walpole Mall. And um, what's so interesting what happened, this is all divine stuff that happened to me. Um, so I parked in a handicapped spot, but I was going to have to walk across where people were driving in, in the parking lot to get onto the sidewalk to go into the mall. So I stopped. There was a car that was approaching, and I stopped in the car. The car stopped in the crosswalk and moved me, was waving me on, and I wanted the car to go because I didn't want to slow anybody down. And, and this woman was driving the car. She she just kept waving me on so that I felt like that was an angel in my on my path and so I walked across the crosswalk getting close to the door which was uh, electronically operated but you needed to press the button to open the door and there was a woman standing there another earth angel and she held the door she pressed the knob to open the door and she said to me I'm gonna keep this door open for you and I think she said, I have a daughter that's handicapped. So she understood what I was going through. Those doors don't stay open long enough for someone who's walking slowly like myself to get in. So she held it open the whole time. And I walked in and there was a bench. I sat down on the bench and I burst out crying with joy of gratitude. I thought, because I overcame my fear, God just placed all these angels on my path to help me in safely into the mall. My phone was ringing as I was sitting on the on the bench, and it was my son calling me. I answered the phone, and he could tell I was crying. Mom, what's the matter? I said, honey, I'm just crying tears of joy. You just can't imagine all the amazing people that just helped me in in here. Um, so I guess what I'm what I'm wanting to convey to people is first off, feel the fear, acknowledge it. You have it. It's okay. And then do whatever you need to do to work through it. Because if we work, if we face it and we work through it, that's how we can dissipate. It's like walking through it to let it just dissipate and become all little particles for the universe to take it over for you. I hope that makes some and sense. I think to you it's guys. interesting in that story, it points out that the fear actually served a purpose as well. Because had you just jumped into the car Abs when you were crying and scared, and it would have been a very dangerous situation for you. But in this case, it, it allowed you to have an opportunity to reflect and slow down and get to a place where it would be safe. So it's just figuring out what are all these things in our brains trying to tell us and how can we work through in a helpful way where we do continue moving forward without getting stuck? That's a good point, Erin. And I think it's easy right. for us human beings yes. to forget because we think we're so advanced yes. and intelligent. But fear exists for a reason. There's a biological reason that fear exists. And as much as we would like to deny it or squash it down, we are still animals. And there is a reason that the fear you know, sparks when it does, but it's up to us to listen to the fear or find a way to reason with the fear. And Joanne, one of the things you said in that story that really struck a chord with me is acceptance. Um, yes. Because that's another thing that I think we're, you know, we feel like we're so advanced and that we should sort of, you know, squash it down, squash it down. And that goes for fear, that goes for intuition, that goes for vulnerability. There are so many things yes. that we try to ignore or sweep under a rug. And I think that's yes. maybe part of the healing process too, is accepting where you are in your healing process or in your recovery journey. And that's, I think, why we get a lot of questions from people saying, do I have to let go of my former self? Do I have to let go Absolutely of my not. old goals? And I think, you know, the sooner it, it can sound like a negative thing to say, but bear with me. The sooner you can accept where you are in each day, in each moment, the sooner yes. I think you are, your awareness of yourself will get you to a better place. Does that make sense? Am I just rambling? Oh, oh no, Mariah, you are so wise. I love what you're saying. You know, I believe that all humans, <laughs> no, really, I love what you said. We we don't, we aren't taught, think about this. None of us were taught 
about our feelings and that all feelings are okay. It's part of being human. And and exactly. and we, I think we don't know how to deal with our, our negative feelings. We're taught, you know, we just want to present a happy face and be nice and just be happy. Don't show a weakness. Don't show a fear. And yet, we, all those feelings exist. They're not wrong. They're not bad. We just have to learn how to use them. And Mariah, you're so right about acceptance. Acceptance is the first step of allowing ourselves to sort of let go and move forward. If you don't accept where you're at, you can't move forward. You sort of stay there. So Mariah, you're right on as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, I think the harder you hold on to your pre-brain injury you, the harder it will be for you to move forward. And I'm saying that as someone who has been able to miraculously step back into myself. Um, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, 99% of the time I am who I was pre-brain injury. But, you know, I, I think you have to be realistic about where you are. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There were many points in your story when I was reading your book, and let me first plug your book a little bit. It's called Brainstorm <laughs> From Stroke to My Trusting Place by Joanne Susi. And, you know, right now we've talked about a lot of the positive points, but there were many points within her story where she had to really accept where she was at because your stroke was yes. really... Uh, detrimental to your prior way of being. And you had many points at which you had to kind of accept and figure out how can I cope and get through where I am right now. Do you want to speak to some of those harder areas of your story? Well, the tough part was um, losing use of my left arm and hand because I write with my left hand. But I was. I felt very fortunate that even though I'm a lefty, I really did everything else with my right hand. So my right side has always been strong. So I feel grateful that the stroke was on the right side, which left me with left side weakness. Uh, had it been opposite, I think it would have been more difficult for me. So again, I think that I just see so many gifts that happened. Again, it doesn't mean that I'm not sad that I can't write with my left hand. I used to love to journal, and so I have to, if I want to journal, it's on the computer now. I do miss writing with my left hand, uh, and it slowed me down in terms of working with clients. I used to take notes, you know, just writing, but now I have to do it on the computer, and I don't want clients to hear the clicking noise of the keyboard, if you know what I mean. So that that's, uh, I guess that's the biggest thing, and then... The other tough part is is because I'm not able to walk fast. I can walk, but I'm not able to walk in certain places without the help of somebody. Like if there's stairs without a banister, I'm not able to go up the stairs. Stairs are easy for me if there's a banister, and there's so many places that aren't banisters, and there's so many places that doors don't stay open long enough in order for me to get in on my own. So... My attitude is I have to adjust to the world. I can't accept the world to adjust to me. Mm. And probably took some time to get to that point and probably needed some help figuring out what adjustments you needed to make. But it's so encouraging to hear that even with losing the uh, essentially your dominant side of your body for a while, you encountered people that were able to help you and then your mindset was one that you accept that this is where you are and you had your goals of how you wanted to move forward and were able to apply those and get back to independent living. Yes. I think that stage, it's probably very easy to feel anger when you're realizing that, you know, you've lost the ability to do something that before came easily to you. What would you say to someone who's, you know, in the thick of their recovery and realizing that things have changed for them and might be feeling angry? Well, for starters, it's, I would say, congratulations for being alive and feel, allowing yourself to feel. So, of course, you know, how could you not be frustrated or angry with that? So I would totally appreciate 
the feeling that the person was experiencing. So, so I would say you're totally awake. You, you, you're, you're cognizant. You're aware. And let's celebrate that. And then let's talk about what you would like to accomplish and what are the different ways that we could do it. That's what I do. So if I want to do something, I'll sit and I'll try and figure out how I can, you know, what I want to do. And I know how I used to do it, but now I only have one hand that is working. So how can I do this with one hand? Or can will I be able to do this one hand safely? So the uh, safety is the number one priority. And I would want to support everyone in first considering what feels safe and what doesn't feel safe. If it doesn't feel safe, don't do it. And I also encourage people to allow help. We all, we're not in this alone. We're all here to help each other. I believe that we live on the earth. It's, we're here to be interdependent, not just independent. We're not here to do everything all by ourselves. And that's a mistake that a lot of us make, especially solopreneurs. I know I've been one. So you think you have to do it all and you can't do it all well. But if we learn what we do really well and focus on that, that brings us joy and, um, and then we can attract more that brings us joy. Again, it's using the law of attraction. The more joy you feel, the more the universe is going to feed you more to be joyous about. I think that's a very good point that. that you can't do everything well and Brain injury or not, that's an important lesson to learn. Yes. But also, there's no point in doing everything well. Is doing everything well going to make you really happy? Probably not. It's probably going to stress you out. (laughs) And maybe distract you from the things that really matter in your life. (laughs) True. Yes, we all, you know, whether we've had brain injury or not, everybody has limitations. Those of us that have had brain injury, some, like my limitations are... Uh, you can view, you can see them. You can see that I walk differently um, because I've had a stroke and that my left arm doesn't move the way my right arm does. So my limitations are visual. Some people have unseen limitations, but I believe all humans have limitations. So we, those of us that have had brain injury, we can sort of put a reason to it. And I say, let's just not focus on that. Let's Let's understand we all have limitations. That's what being human's all about. If we can accept that, we can move forward then. We're all limited. There's no such thing as a perfectly formed human being. No such thing. No, it's important to let some of that go for sure. I think I probably wouldn't have learned that lesson without my brain injury, to be honest. It just reordered or reprioritized everything in my life because pre-brain injury, I mean, Aaron has seen this version of Mariah. It's not pretty, but, you know, like, I want my house to look like it should be in a magazine. I want my house to be tidy all the time. I want to exceed everybody's expectations of me. I want my career to be stellar. I want, you know, my personal appearance to be beautiful. And it's, you know, it's a standard that is unnecessary and will literally drive you crazy and not going to uh, necessarily create happiness in your life. So. And unlearning that perfection is a journey in itself. Yes. Mariah, congratulations for that awareness of um, your perfection. <laughs> well, it took getting bonked on the head really hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, Mariah, I'm right there with you. Me, too. Same thing for me. I've had to accept yeah. that my house is not always in perfect order, and I can't do things the way I used to, and it's... It's a huge pill to swallow, isn't it? It is, but at the same time, the second you figure it out, it is so freeing. Yes. I definitely have had, and part of it is like, you know, I I want to make my parents proud. That's a huge part of who I am is wanting my parents to be proud of of me. And so, you know, I've gotten to the point now where if my parents visit and my house is a mess and nothing's tidy and I might not have a meal planned, I just say to them, this is just how it is today, and thank you for bearing with me. <laughs> Rather than pre-accident Mariah, who would have been like freaking out about the fact that I would be letting them down right. or they would be thinking that I wasn't doing well, but I've had to let it go. So so that's how your brain injury has served you. It's helped you accept your humanness. Yes. 
Congratulations, yes. Mariah. Humanness. That's a great. That's to be celebrated. That's a great word to to put on it. Humanness. I think that's the lesson that I'm still learning. Yes, Erin. <laughs> we all are. Well, don't we keep learning I, it? I think, <laughs> yes, forever and ever and ever. I really believe, and I'm writing a second book, and a lot of what I talk about now is in my second book, but I really believe that we are, we're evolving beings and we're going through a huge evolutionary process right now. And I think more people are waking up to the fact that we do have souls and we are spiritual beings, but we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think we're trying to balance it all. Like, first of all, be aware that, yes, you are spiritual and, yes, you are human. So how do you become a balanced spiritual human being? And I think every human being is being faced with that right now. Some are aware of it and some aren't. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, you know, as tough as, you know, COVID has been, I think that I've heard more about people meditating or picking up yoga or finding mindful yes. pra mindfulness practices that will help them get through this. Yes. I think that, you know, is this a whole lot of fun? No, yes. but is there some good in it for the human race? I think yes. I absolutely agree. I think, you know, we've before COVID, we had so much to fill our lives that we weren't even consciously aware, at least me, I wasn't even consciously aware of what I was doing. It was just busy work. It was just boxes True. to check. I've done this, I've done True. this, I've done this, therefore I'm successful. But really, you're not. And when you take a step back and when you have, like for me, having a brain injury right at the beginning of COVID, it kind yeah. of put everything into perspective. Like I thought my life was so full when really you strip all that away and you realize what actually is important is the people that are around you, your relationships, your love of self and others. That's really where you have to base everything from to be able to move ahead in life. Very true. Yeah, actually, Erin, you had kind of like a almost a double whammy of a <laughs> of a pandemic experience because no matter what, a brain injury would have cleared your schedule. Plus, your schedule was extra cleared <laughs> because of lockdown yes. um, and and the stages that have followed. So it's almost like a double magnifying glass on on all of this. Yeah, which has been good, but it also, it, you know, a lot of introspection is great, but also like being able to take that scope back out into how your what am I trying to say? Um, you know, if you overanalyze everything too much, that can be a little bit detrimental, at least to me, because I'm not figuring out ways to moving forward. I'm focusing on the problem, not the solution. Yeah. Henceforth, needing a life coach like Joanne to help me get out of that <laughs> rut. Um, well, okay, so Erin, you just said this, but I was about to say this too. I will never forget our interview with our first survivor ever, Chris Dietrich, and his ma mantra or motto, whatever you want to call it, keep moving forward because, and you said moving forward just now, yes. um, but that's something yes. that I have yes. carried with me ever since talking to him is keep mm -hmm. moving forward because what's happened has happened. You can't change what has happened, that's but right. you can, that's you know, right. change the future and affect it in a positive way. And so like that... Thank you, Chris, for that one, because I repeat it to myself. Awesome. Honest. Awesome. There's a brain injury moment. Awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> so thank you for that one. Mariah, congratulations for hearing that. <laughs> yes. Really taking that to heart. Yeah. And Joanne, you were a life coach before oh. even having your stroke. And since having your stroke, I'm sure your life coaching skills have helped yourself and you've also been able to apply them to help others. How would you go about coaching someone in a brain injury that is feeling stuck and having trouble figuring, you know, getting out of the problem into the solution? Do you have any Good advice question. for people there? I like to ask people, how do they want to be? I ask everybody, how do you want to be? That's the start. How do you want to be? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be peaceful? How do you want to be? And what are the things that help you be that? Because we are human beings, not human doings. It's a 
different way of looking at things. I've been this way since I've been coaching, which I started back in 1999 is when I started professionally coaching. It's about how do you want to be? And sometimes people will say, I don't know, or I don't know what I want. So I give them an exercise and it's, I tell them, take a piece of paper and put a line down the middle of the paper on the left side, write what you don't want. And on the right side, write the opposite of what you do want. Because sometimes we have to know what we don't want in order to know what we do want. So again, it's taking what feels like negative and turning it into a positive. So it's not bad if you don't know what you want because it's going to help you gain greater clarity on what you do want. So I I love helping I love people that. sort of get unstuck. Yeah, I think that's I, I love the phrase we're we're human beings, not human doings. <laughs> it's true. I mean, just think about what we've been taught. And I I I know that our belief system is what can either move us forward or hold us back. So, for example, think about this, the phrase, no pain, no gain. I decided I want to learn through joy, not through pain. I don't think everything has to be painful in order to move forward. Um, I agree. <laughs> so, <laughs> doesn't it feel better to do something with joy instead of being feeling pain? Absolutely. I was just going to say what this kind of all is pointing towards is it's all about perspective. And we have such little Absolutely. control over what ultimately happens, but you have control over your perspective on it. True. We have control over our thoughts. That's the only thing we have control over. We have no control over anybody or anything, but we do have control over our thoughts. And we have control over designing our lives. And that's through our thoughts and how we want to be and what we want to think about. We, we are great manifestors. My dream, I dream about the fact that we're coming to a time when children will be taught that they are manifestors and taught how to tap into their inner wisdom as opposed to things being mashed out of them. And this is what's so exciting about being alive now. We're on the precipice of, of moving forward in this way. And I know that's why I'm alive, to sort of build that bridge. It's a good way of looking at it. It's a really good way of looking at it. I remember, I mean, really the first six months to a year after my brain injury, I remember feeling like a victim. Sure. And I am a kind of a go-getter and I, you know, like I'm used to, I'm also a control freak. It's really painting me in a beautiful <laughs> light here, but, but I, you know, like I'm used to being able to no, it's change my surroundings, impact my own destiny, all of that. But for the first time in my life, I, everything was turned on its head, no pun intended. And I felt like I was a victim yes. of the universe. And I, it really mm. sort of caused me of to course. go through a, an intense period of questioning what I believed um, and, you know, trying to figure out why something like that would happen. And at the time, because I had to be away from my business for several months, my business was struggling. I was struggling. Mm -hmm. My family was struggling because they were having to support me through all of this. And it's the first time in my life that I stripped away that idea that I could manifest things and my general positive attitude. And it took a long time for me to reverse course and remind myself that, yes, this happened to me, but I'm not just a victim of the universe. And I think that victim right. mentality isn't a really easy one to fall into. And I agree with you about sort of manifesting Good. I've always felt that the more good you put out, the more good you get back. And that does not necessarily mean that there's not a car waiting around the corner to hit you, but it also doesn't mean exactly. that you just give up and assume you're just adrift at, at sea, you know, waiting for the winds to blow one way or the other. So true, Mariah. You have a great handle on it. I really appreciate your perspective and your awareness. Most days. You, I hope that you have taken some time to congratulate yourself on your awareness and you're choosing to look at things in a way that feel more satisfying for you. Accepting how you've been and understanding, looking at whether that works for you or not and, and deciding how you want to be. That's exactly what you're doing, Mariah. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I don't often pat myself on the back, so thank you for that. <laughs> And Aaron does the same thing. And I know, like, by the time this episode is actually aired to everybody, I'll be close to a year 
we're actually recording this back in February. So I'm still only about nine months in and I'm at, I was at that point and I've been at that point of choosing whether I'm a victim of a brain injury and victim to having what I consider changed cognition versus learning how to deal with this and choosing what direction I want to go forward. You know, making a goal with a changed, you know, physiologically my brain's different. So making goals that make sense now with what I have has been a learning experience and trying to figure out where to start with that, I think has been, it can be overwhelming. So what would you say, Joanne, you know, how do we take a step back and make realistic expectations of ourselves and our new ways of being? Well, realistic is an interesting word. I think, well, first of all, I want to ask you, are you, most people aren't aware we have three brains in our body. Are you aware of that? There are three brains. One's in the head, Mm -hmm. one's in the heart, and one's in the gut. That's, That's a biological truth. And the brain and the heart actually has a stronger vibration than the brain and the head. That goes out, the energy of the brain and the heart goes out further than the brain and the head. So when you enter a room, what the people in the room are getting is first what's in your heart. So that is, so I, I invite everyone to sit and feel what's in their heart. And that takes practice, I think, because we're so used to using our brains. It's what's in my brain is what I want to think about, what I want to talk about. So it's that's why people, uh, meditation is such a beautiful thing. Meditation is a way of learning how to train our brains. I mean, our brains are supposed to think, and that's a beautiful thing. But sometimes it thinks crazy things that aren't very helpful for us. So if we can lo- sort of learn how to train our brain to... Calm down. You know, I love to honor my brain. I'll thank it for for whatever it's telling me because it's not all bad. But I also love, I will say to a client, I remember this one time, one of my clients, I said to her, I love what your ego just shared with me and I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, ego, would you please take a seat and will your soul please come forward? And she loved that. And (laughs) when she spoke from that, it was like she spoke from her heart. And she just went on this beautiful rampage of of what she was going to do. And and she's doing it. It was was wonderful. And again, we're not aware. There's not an awareness. And I feel like I've learned this about myself. And this is what I want to share with people. I just want everyone to know you have all the wisdom you need right inside of you. So listen and research, do whatever you want to do, but stop for a minute, sit back, and feel into it. Not think about it, feel into it. How does that feel? Even if I'm talking, I, I invite people to hear what I'm saying, but stop for a minute and feel it. Does that feel good? Does that feel right? If it does, take it. If it doesn't, just leave it here. No offense to me. So everyone has their own inner wisdom. And I am, and my job is to help you find that you're the master of your life. No one else is. That takes me right back to that- the topic of fear. I think you're right, Joanne, because there is the ego versus soul thing is a really good way of putting it. Because I think your ego can talk talk over any of the rest of the voices that are speaking to you, right? Like yes. it's the one that speaks yes. the loudest <laughs> and maybe the most yes. frequently. <laughs> And I think once you remove, once you ask the ego to step aside, there's also a fear that comes with that, right? Because sometimes it can be a little scary to listen to the rest of the voices. And sometimes sitting with yourself is a scary thing. And a really quick story. So I met my husband at a monastery. He was not a monk. Don't nobody panic. But I used to go to this monastery in France every year. <laughs> I went six years. And it's it, it's called... It's in France. And a huge part of this monastery's worship is just quiet. It's the monks chanting music and then silence for like five to 10 minutes at a time. And the first service you ever go to, you know, is a little bit intimidating because you're like looking around like, what am I supposed to do during this time? But by the end of your time, you are very accustomed to the quiet and you're okay with sitting with your own thoughts and they will wander and you come back. It's like meditation, right? And 
once you get over that fear of having to be quiet with yourself and listen to what's really going on in there, there's some peace that comes with it, but you have to get over that fear. Once again, fear keeps popping up today. Yes, yes. Mariah, that's so true. You're so right on. Our brain, our, our brains are sort of un, untamed. They're not trained. We haven't been taught. We just haven't been taught. Mm-hmm. It's no one's fault here, but we are at a place where we're learning, where we're becoming a little bit more aware. So let us be gentle with ourselves. The more gentle we are with ourselves, the more gentle we can be with each other. I often say to my friends, if we talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves, we would have no friends. So it all starts, as Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. So be, again, how do you want to be? How do you want the world to be? Be that yourself and you will help elicit the change in the world. Being, not doing. I, that's going to stick exactly. with me. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I love well, thank that. you, jo- Joanne, so much. I feel like we've covered so much territory here and a lot yes. to think about for sure. So for those of you listeners who want to keep up with Joanne, uh, please do check her out. Her book, again, is Brainstorm from My Stroke to My Trusting Place. And just a quick reminder to you all, Making Headway is a passion project for me and Erin. If you want a really easy way to support us, click through the links in our show notes to check out any of these books or resources that we mention on the show in Amazon and buy through our links. It just gives us a little kickback enough to keep this going. And also, please check Joanne out. In general, she is a life coach, so she has made her career helping others, which I think is just a wonderful thing. And now that we've talked to you a bit, Joanne, I completely understand why. And you have a business called Help for Healing Professionals. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. And the website for that is h4hp.org. Correct. Yes. So thank you, Joanne. And uh, to all our listeners out there, this is Mariah signing off with my co-host, Aaron. We will talk to you all next week. Talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean. 